0: I'm Wyatt Omsberg and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons Podcast. Morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined by my bannerman, Cal Williams. Cal, let's not dance around it any longer than we have to.
1: Hell of a weekend. Oh, just. Uh, say, I usually like uh, to go
0: away from, I like to do something weird to start. We just got a lot to talk about.
1: I mean, it it was a complete and utter thrill to be at a stadium of that magnitude on a a, a day of that level um it, it'll forever go down as as the day in in Minnesotan soccer history and um oh I, I just um so many stories to tell from from my vantage point um and I'm sure you know I'm sure everybody does you know I, I'd love to hear more from from people and, and their experiences during the day I'm, I'm sure everybody has their own story to tell uh, but it was just utterly exceptional. It it was beyond anything anybody ever thought. It was uh I mean when when Alonso scores the goal, I, I I have never seen a stadium explode like Allianz Field did in that moment. Um and one one moment that will always, always stay with me was I remember uh, I I I I can't remember because I suddenly blacked out, but um <laughs> I I remember it was either after I had described the goal or, or just before. I, I can't remember, but what I do remember seeing was um pure unbridled joy um from there's a little section of fans in the stadium club that sit in front of our commentary booth and there were two incidences where I nearly I nearly lost it. Um there was what I assume was a father and a son celebrating together. And the father picked up the son uh, and he was facing us in the booth and he was just punching the air and you could just see the joy in his face and his father was celebrating with him. And, and, and I just thought to myself, that moment right there is is going to be a topic of conversation for those two for the rest of their lives. Yeah and and now he, this this young lad is clearly hooked um and they're all decked out in minnesota united gear and everything and i i i thought to myself this is going to be their lives now for a long time they're going to go to games together for a long long time you know and that was such a special moment and then the other one uh, a couple of feet away there was a couple who had um older Minnesota United stuff on, so mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that they had been watching this scene for some time. Uh, I think the chap may have even had a, a thunder jacket of some sort on. Okay. Um, and they just threw their arms around each other and were in floods of tears. I, I, <laughs> you, you can't buy that, you yeah. know? It, it was just raw emotion, and it was so clear and obvious how much it meant to those individuals there, you know, you, that there was the sense of that throughout the day, no doubt about it. But, but you know, looking at uh, that particular situation I just explained. Um, it it was so obvious that this day meant so much to so many people, and just to have that little experience with those people, I'll, I'll never forget that.
0: Yeah, I, I found
1: one thing I found interesting is looking
0: around the stadium. You really saw, I think you saw people who were diehard supporters. You know, I was pretty close to the supporters section. Uh, I was down uh, in a in a box near the press box. We had the window open. Supporters section was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the volume. It was everything I wanted. I made me think about. When I went to um, Providence Park and I saw the supporters like the Timbers Army and I was like, "Are, are we going to be like that?" And obviously, the Timbers Army is—it's—they've it's, been around for years and years and years. It's the standard. It's—it's—it's a, it's a, it's substantially larger than our supporters section, mm. but in terms of the feel, it was right there, yeah. you know. And it was—and it was incredible because I think you saw a mix of you know, people who were, uh, who had been following this team for a long time, um, you know, whether that main, whether that means going back to NASL or the thunder, whether that means going back to the first MLS game in the snow opener, you know, like that investment in the team I saw, then I saw also people who were just seeing it for the first time and they're, they're sort of what you would call looky lose. It's like, Oh, I want to go check out this new thing, but they're seeing those people's passion. And I think that really meant something to those supporters to see to be seen in that way, because this is a thing that a lot of these people have been carrying around mm. a small group of diehard supporters have been carrying around for, for decades. And then, uh, you know, the, the group grows, but it's still this little cadre of supporters. And it was just wonderful to see them given their due in this element, like with that supporters, that, that supporter section toward the end, when they sort of, when they figured out how to get the stomping going, you know, like, which was kind of a thing that was like, it's aluminum. And so it should be very resonant and everything mm-hmm. like that. But towards the last, like last five minutes of the game, they got a good like stomp going. And it was like, Oh man, this is, we're like, we're all just learning. We're, we're learning what it's going to be. Yes. You know, we, we had that first experience. Now it was tremendously, I don't want to say up and down because there wasn't really anything down but it was just a roller coaster of of so many different things I think for me one of the major moments and this is weird I've gone to a lot of professional sports games Mm -hmm. Uh, I covered the NBA for five years I was credentialed I went to many home games I saw a lot of national anthems when I sat with Britt Robson, who's a, a Wolves writer, he wrote for Sports Illustrated. He's now with the Athletic, and he's also a music guy. And uh, we always hated the anthem, not because of the national anthem, just because of the performative. Like we have to see something every time. You, you know, you begin to start assessing it as like when it's a middle school choir, you're like great because it's going to mm. go fast. Like they're going to go, they're going to move through it. When you get that one person. Who's the yo who say yeah. can not you yeah. like stop just like <laughs> we gotta play a game let's go right yeah 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 um so I'm somebody who is to me the national anthem is like I see it so much I sort of st- stop paying attention right sure. Abby Wolf's rendition of the national anthem with the members of the Minnesota Orchestra like the little brass quintet and the members of Vocal Essence it took my breath away mm-hmm. I mean and I've known Abby for a while as well like and and I, I mean I think it's, it's been a while since we've we've you know interacted face to face, but I've known her for a a good long time. And I was just, I was just sitting there going like, this is, this is beautiful. It's, it's just perfect for this moment. And it was that first moment I got to sort of breathe, I think, because I got to the stadium at like, you know, nine in the morning or something. And it's not even like I was running around. I was just working. I was focused. I was thinking about different things. I was, I was reading up on stuff. I was, you know, walking when I could get the chance to go out. I didn't get, I didn't get to go too far, but yeah, it was this beautiful moment I love the national anthem, which is something I just, I usually doesn't, you doesn't get to me usually at sporting events, but it did.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was beautifully delivered, as you say. Um, and I must admit, I, I only heard a, a little bit of it because I had the headphones on and, and we were running a few things on the radio then at the time. But I always, regardless of what the broadcasting situation is, I always try and set my headphones off so I can listen to the national anthem uh, and respect it, um, and, uh, you know, yeah, the, the the bits that I did here, I, I, I thought were was supreme. And um, it, it sort of set the stage, really, didn't it? You know, yeah. it was like, right, here we go. Then we, this is it now. Um, How so-
0: about the TIFO? Let's talk about that for oh, a minute. because The TIFO was ambitious, and it was amazing to see them get the chance to use, like, the hoisting, you know? Mm-hmm. So they sort of they had the sheets that went over the crowd, and then they had the one that they pulled up. When the middle one ripped as they were pulling it up, and for a moment I was like, Oh no, like this is, this is terrible. Like this is the, the first chance to do it. And then they like rallied, yes. which was kind of one of these amazing, like I just felt like this is what you need in the moment is mm-hmm. everybody picked up the part that it ripped and they pulled it back pulled up. It up. They got it all straightened out, you know, like this, everything, it, it wasn't, Again, the watchword this week has been resiliency. I think as we've talked about, we talked, this got talked about a lot at Men in Blazers, which was also a terrific event. It was great to have those guys in the pod. Great to have, you know, the commissioner on the pod. And it, it, that was a tremendous event. Um, this thing of it's Minnesota soccer enduring through hardships, they talked to, at Men in Blazers talked to Slug about this, who's um, a atmosphere from Atmosphere, Minneapolis rapper, talking about how, hip hop in Minneapolis has sort of grown up outside of the coasts Mm. rather than and Slug put this so well. And and he's a great guy um, for this kind of stuff. Talked about how he had friends who were coming up at the same time as him, who were sending their tapes to major labels to try to get their attention. He was like, I just never thought it was worth trying to get somebody else's attention. Like, why don't we just do it for ourselves and do it as best as we can. And I think Minnesota soccer has had a lot of that vibe. Mm. And I think in that moment, that what happened with the tifo was like the embodiment of that. It was like pick up the pieces, keep it going, put it together. They pulled up the giant loon, which was amazing. And yes. then that ripped at the very end, yes, in sort of dramatic fashion. They're gonna work out those kinks, but I kind of loved the kinks because it was like they had to work together to like pull it t- pull Figure it, it, it off.
1: It was great. Yeah, it was. And do you know what? As well, like with with the whole. Uh, T4 ripping thing, I actually, as you said, I thought it was quite iconic, actually. It was, um, I wasn't sure at first, actually, if it was done on purpose, but when the the big one to right, the end, yeah. um, because it was like, right, let's go, now we're here. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did wonder, but I mean, I, I just had a couple of beers with a few people after the game, and there were some people that were utterly devastated about it, and, and yeah. I was saying to them, don't worry. You know, like, I thought it came off tremendously. No, and- it looked great, and again, I
0: I would just say to those people, like, I, it, in the moment when there was nothing you could, when you didn't know what to do with it, you guys did the right stuff. Absolutely, you pulled it together, and it's like you know that's that's always going to happen. There's always unplanned stuff. I think I think they were open to that moment, and instead of everybody just going like, ah, this isn't working, they they pulled it off.
1: They pulled it off, yeah, and it was magnificent. The message from the T4 as well was was fabulous, you know, and um, it it obviously um, it paid homage to to the past and and what Minnesotan Soccer has been, uh, but then with the the big loon. Um, at at the center of it all, um, you know, and it said, finally, the the loons fly home. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought that was such a a fitting message, and um, I I thought it was one of the better TIFOs I've I've ever seen, you know, and uh, probably the best from our supporters group as well, and and, and I, you know, I thought it was wonderful, and um, as I said, uh, it it, it certainly, it it got to me. There was was a point um, when the TIFO came up, um, and I remember... I had introduced, uh, welcomed to the broadcast, welcomed to Allianz Fields, and uh, threw it down to Jamie Watson, who was on the sideline, who then gave us a fabulous um, introduction to to his experience. Um, and I remember going to to Kendra, who who obviously is is a Minnesotan native, and, and I remember at least I thought I, I heard a little crack in, in the voice, <laughs> you know, and um, and I remember only. Only then did I really sort of, I, I was looking up, I saw the stadium, I saw the TIFO, but it then hit me as to how much, again, it really meant. Um, and I'll be honest, Steve, um, the TIFO, the when I saw it in all of its glory, I I, I had to take a second and, and sort of take everything in and um, the the eyes started to water, you know, we, yeah. we, 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 are in this every day. We work for this club. We, we see the bad times and we see the good times. And, and it, it does mean so much when, when you're immersed in it as much as we are and as much as the supporters are and, and as much as, as those people that have been supporting the sport here in Minnesota for as long as they have, you know, and, um, you know, as I said, uh, my eyes certainly got a little bit watery and, and it, um, it, it was obvious just how much it meant to people, and and then as you said, I think shortly after then that's when the tifo started to rip, and and I, I, honestly, I, I did. I thought there was there was a sense of it, it was beautifully iconic, and and it was there was a sense of irony about it as well because it was like ah, this this team, you know, this uh, this is Minnesota sports where nothing is ever easy, you yeah, know, and yeah. um, I, I thought it was glorious. I really did, and, and as I said, it, it's a moment that I'll never forget.
0: Yeah, only field. I mean, fantastic job of the construction. It was a little dusty. I mean, my my eyes were just constantly, I mean, they could have cleaned up the dust a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the game itself, um, which obviously Adrian was at pains the entire week to emphasize, we are playing a game there. It's not Mm -hmm. just everybody showing up to have a party. Um, The team... You know, we've seen over the the, the early results, uh, a a couple positive results, um, some not as positive results, a really gritty win against Red Bulls. Mm. Um, When the team has not done as well, they've often come out a little flat. I would not say they came out flat. No, Um, it was they were keyed up. I think it was it was a a sort of a surfeit of energy, Um, maybe a little bit a little bit haphazard, which is to be expected. I mean, there's only so much managing of that you can do. It's like, I mean, yeah. you know, I can't imagine, but it was, it was at least, I'm glad they didn't, I mean, I wouldn't have expected them to come out flat, but if you're going to come, if you're going to have difficulties, I'd rather it be on the end of more intensity rather than a lack of it.
1: I think the, um, I think the occasion got to a couple of players. If I'm going to be totally honest. And we've just spoken to Adrian Heath, haven't we for the league and whatnot. And, um, I think he uttered the same opinion as well, is that I think, um, you know, we're so happy, we're so um, incredibly blessed to have had that moment with the stadium and the supporters. But there is a a sense of relief now that it's over because now we can just get back to football. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and and, and I think a lot of that um, will uh, will be shown over the next couple of weeks. Um, I thought the game itself was, I mean, it was pure and unbridled carnage, really, wasn't it? It was yeah. the most craziest game I've As ever a couple seen.
0: Said, a couple of people have said, it, from the perspective of a neutral, you couldn't want more than you know, no. three goals aside. A no, not at all. <laughs> and, and,
1: um, <laughs> I've had a couple of tweets from a few people who, who aren't um, involved with either team, just you know broadcasters or whatever, and, and they had said that it was tremendously entertaining to watch. Yeah, right, yeah.
0: Um,
1: you know, it, it would have capped it off nicely, wouldn't it, if there would have been a, a winning goal for Minnesota. But, hey, I mean... I'm going to talk is, about that more later, but... Okay, okay. We'll get into that. Um, but, look, I mean, I think... Uh, for me, um, I, I, as I said, I think there were a couple of players that were overwhelmed by the, by the day, which is fine. I thought Maxi Morales, for them, uh, had way too much time on the ball. Mm. I didn't think... And, and he was essentially given the freedom of, of the field as well. He was... Um, you know they 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 changed it up a little bit as well uh, sort of into the second half they went from a, what was essentially like a a 5-3-2 to a, a 4-2-3-1 to match up with minnesota as well um and i i i thought they did well they frustrated minnesota um but what i will say is that it both teams came up all guns blazing in the first twenty minutes. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a, a, as a chaotic starters as, yeah. as that. I mean, what was it? It was four goals in what eight minutes or something. I mean, it was just. I think that's what it was. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, again, there was that sense, wasn't there, when NYCFC went two-one up? It was like this team, um, you know, and and again, it was just so beautifully Minnesotan, Um But you know the the blue collar aspects of of Minnesotans the the the, the hard working nature came out and obviously they got themselves back into the game. Mm-hmm. Ethan Finlay played a played his part played a lovely ball into to Angela Rodriguez to get the seconds. Uh, I thought Rodriguez had a good game. Um
0: yeah, I wanted to take a minute to uh, that's one thing that's coming up so maybe now is a good as any to do it. In terms of in terms of um Angela because I think that um especially the, over the last like the course of the last several games. Like, if you look at his work in the first half against New England, um, his work against Red Bulls, yep. and his work against NYCFC, I think we're really, it, the, his role is rounding into shape for the team. And I think that it can be a little bit, like, one thing I was thinking of watching him is that I think that maybe from a, a fan perspective, it can sometimes be a little skewed. Um, I mean, first of all, there's the fan expectation of you're gonna score goals if you're the forward. And his role, obviously, we've seen is that hold up guy. he's been the the second guy. yep you know he's been the guy delivering service or the guy making trouble that opens things up for other people. I think one of the other wrinkles is that I think when hold up play breaks down, it looks particularly ugly um in a different way than if you've got possession, and you're moving the ball around and then the the defense commits and you get dispossessed, it's like, oh, well, he was dribbling. That's a high risk maneuver. The problem is like, if you're the holdup guy, the ball is being served to your feet and then you got to fight off at least one, probably two guys and if no one is there to receive the pass or you can't quite get the angle you look like you got worked Mm -hmm. you know but that's the job that's yes that is the job and he did that job very well i think
1: he did and and as well i i I thought he did it really well considering the the player behind him didn't particularly have his best day i'm talking about darwin quintero Mm -hmm. um who, who i i thought was um was out of sorts completely but um you know, I, I thought uh, Rodriguez gave a really good account of himself, and there were so many times where he held the ball up, and the ball would then go to uh, Gregorio or Alonso, and they would ping the ball forward then for the for the wide players to to get onto it, you know, as well. And uh, look, Rodriguez gave a really good account of himself, um, and uh, got his goal as well. Uh, I thought his positioning was good. I thought the ball in from Finley was fabulous. Yeah. Um and Rodriguez will score a couple of those this year when the ball comes in from out wide. You know, that's for me, right. that's where he's gonna get the majority of his goal when the uh, his goals when the ball comes in from a, a wide position. Um he's good in the air. We we know we've seen that before. So um, you know, I, I thought it was a good showing and um you know let let's hope he continues this consistency. And uh, Minnesota United will have a very good front man to rely on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Darwin was definitely, I just felt like he, I don't know, you know, I know he was injured. Um, I don't know if that took a little bit off of his usual feel of finesse or touch with the ball. Possibly, yeah. But it seemed like he was, I mean, like, I also felt like every time he was getting the ball, it felt like he was trying to beat all of NYCFC himself. Mm. Like, he was a little bit... He, I mean, and, you know, they were sending two guys at him almost immediately most of the time. That's difficult. A lot of times he beats those, you know, but on the day, it just wasn't sort of coming together for him, and I was sort of hoping he would reorient towards, well, if they're sending two guys at me, somebody else is open, so mm. look for that pass immediately. But it just seemed like he couldn't quite put it together, which also gives you, I mean, when your best player, you know, uh, by best player, he's, the, he's the, sort of the most talented player, right. I would say, on the pitch um, for, for Minnesota most, most days. Um, if he doesn't really have it going, they still did had a pretty good account of themselves, I think. Given given yeah. those struggles, I think Calvo struggled a little bit as well. Yep. Um, that might have been that I can also attribute I think to the moment as somebody who's the captain yeah. and you know he's coming into this. He's been here since the start of the team in MLS. You know, um, he's he struggled a little bit. I thought uh, Romant continues to be my current favorite hmm. pet player on the team, uh, and he and Finlay down the right wing is such a fun combo to watch. Yep. Um, and I was talking to, I was talking to Ethan earlier and he was saying, I was saying you guys both work, work your butts off, you know, yep. you're both running around and, and Ethan was quick to say that like, Roman actually does more because he runs from behind Finlay to like ahead of him and then all the way back on defense. So yeah. Ethan was trying to d- d- defer to him, but I just, I enjoy watching that partnership. Um, and again, like, you know, I'm, I'm a terrible soccer player, but I played, Mm. I played defense. I was a defender. And when I did and, you know, Ramon's ability to get back and get the ball away from somebody and turn and go back up the field. It's just so
1: fun. He's he's a machine. He really, really is and a Supreme machine at that. Let's, let's uh, not make any bones about it. Um, I think um, I'm really enjoying this combination of him and Finlay on the on the right hand side, and uh, yeah, look, I mean, Ethan's right as well because he makes so many overlapping runs as well. There were so many times when when Ethan found him, uh, or Darwin, or, or Gregush found the overlapping run of um, of Metanau, uh, and let's not forget as well, it was it was his ball in from the right hand side, his overlapping run um, that led to uh, the goal because Rodriguez did well to to cushion it down. He, he tried to find Quintero, I'm assuming. But the, obviously the the late surging run from Alonso meant the ball dropped to his feet and he was able to, to slam it home. But, um, you know, I think um, we, we've got some good outlets, no doubt about it. I thought Calvo was slightly erratic again and, and there's no doubt there's, there's issues there. Um, and, and I know the coaching staff are pulling their hair out trying to figure out what to do right now because, look, he's a good player. He is a yeah. good player in terms of uh, with the ball at feet. It's obvious he can play. Um, but I think at times he needs to to be a little more disciplined and um, yeah. you know a lot of issues came from from that on on saturday afternoon um but look um either way uh, I, I thought it was uh, i thought it was an okay performance as I, I said earlier on i think a lot of players got caught up in the moments um and and now i i just can't wait for the next home game against la galaxy and and zlatan ibrahimovic mm-hmm. yeah. um you know in in 10 days time whenever it is but uh, first we got uh to say. Take care of in Toronto. So
0: yes, obviously. we're going to get to Toronto in a second. There was one other thing I wanted to. I, first of all, I thought in terms of that that effort and, and getting that point. I liked what Adrian said post game, which was, you know, again as the coach, you got to look at this holistically. You can't, you know, freak out about every game or else you'll never figure out what you're doing. Mm. Um, but if you looked at if you looked at away at Red Bulls and home against NYCFC, and you said four points out of that, you'd be like, okay. You know, so, to, so thinking about it that way, I thought that was, that was productive because you got to look at the whole season and yep. sort of, you know, the, the form of the team overall. Um, I also, this is, I got a, I got a hot take on this one. Um, oh, oh, my volume's not up. Nope. Oh man. Podcast foul. All right. So <laughs> hot. Um, so my hot take on this is that as, as the game was ticking down, I really badly wanted that win for Wonderwall because I wanted Wonderwall to cap the day. I think, anybody who was in that stadium who knew that that could was a possibility wanted that to happen. Yeah. Um, Once the game was over and we had not lost, um, it was a point, you know, as I was sitting there working on the recap, I was actually selfishly and obviously any team wants to win every game they're going to play. I'm not going to say this is the better result for the team or anything like that. I was glad to know that the first win at Allianz field is still in the future Mm -hmm. and that, when it comes, Wonderwall is going to get its own moments, um, in the stadium, Mm -hmm. as opposed to being part of the entire gigantic thing that was that opening weekend, you know, that, and obviously, you know, I would have taken the win for sure. It would have been an amazing moment, but I, I'm glad that I'm sort of going to be able to be there for a game in the future where it is one and then Wonderwall happens and it can be its own thing.
1: Yeah, I said this to somebody um, after the game on Saturday, somebody who was, was very disappointed with the result. And I said, well, look, first of all, it's a measure of the team that we're frustrated that we've got a point because I think a lot of times over the last two years would have probably taken that. Sure, um, But this isn't the last time we're going to be in the stadium. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we got 16 more home games to come in, in MLS regular season uh, terms anyway. Um, and this is our home now for eternity for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So we are going to get that moment at some stage. We yeah,
0: are. and the, and the, you know, obviously the results are going to go up and down, the teams we're going to face are going to be better or worse, you know, that you're not going to win every game at home or anything like that, but it's going to get better. That's the other thing, is yeah. that I think as, you know, the I mean, from everything, right. The team's comfortability, their sense of the pitch and the, and where it is, their sense of the supporters and what Mm -hmm. the supporters are going to do the way they, they sort of ride that the pitch itself, like the field is going to get better as it grows in, you know, it's like, there's just so many things that are going to get better. And you see in this league, like home team advantage, home field advantage is huge, right? That advantage is going to get bigger. Um, so, you know, it's really good. Um, Let's talk about. Should we talk about Toronto? Should we talk about Game of Thrones for a second? <laughs> um, mm. Let's let's touch on Game of Thrones. Okay, I'm gonna say right now. I don't. I'm. I don't know if I'm gonna spoil anything, but yeah, spoiler alert. If you haven't watched the most recent Game of Thrones, stop listening right now. Uh, did you watch the most recent Game of Thrones? Yes, I did. Okay, quick. Just your quick impressions, and then we'll move back to soccer.
1: I mean, it was obviously. Uh, it, it was something, what was it, 500 and something days that people had been waiting for that's it to come back. That a long time. Um, I'm fairly certain the last Game of Thrones episode I watched, I was living in England still. Like, it was a long time. <laughs> um, so, um, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I'm slightly disappointed. I thought it was a good episode. It 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 set, uh, set the tone for the next what is it there's five or six episodes five, left, five episodes okay. left I think. so i mean look they got a lot of ground to cover in those, uh, yeah. those episodes haven't they yeah. but i thought it was good uh, it was just nice to have it back uh, and I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens uh, next week. I really really am.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean they they painted themselves into a corner with the way the timeline is. Um, they everything sort of has to get crammed in there, and they have to get everything aligned. I think a lot of the last season was also moving all the pieces into place to set up this moment mm-hmm. when everybody comes back to Winterfell. Uh, I am I am on the train of what, Game of Thrones through its first three seasons. I think was brilliant. Um, I thought it was. I mean, within the context of it being a fantasy show or whatever, it transcended that in so many ways, uh, in terms of how it dealt with character and how it dealt with character development and the way that the, the plot was moved by all of these characters acting together. And some of them had, this was the way this character operated. This is the way this character operated. And they weren't just good and bad. There was, but they clash in certain mm-hmm. ways, and that drove events through the through the through the story, which is terrific. Um, it's very rare to see you. Some, you see it in fiction, like written fiction. Sometimes you rarely see it done to that extent in in filmed work. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a fantastic job of adapting George R. R. Martin's like vision and stripping away a lot of sort of the fat on it. You know, like it's a, it's a it's a fun series of books, but man, Martin really gets into the weeds with some mm-hmm. of that stuff. And so he's they pulled back a lot of that. They give a lot of agency to the characters. Um, I think they've basically lost all of that at this point. Um, And now there's a lot of pretty dragons and Mm -hmm. CGI and quips and stuff like that. But it feels to me at this point very flat and kind of hollow tone-wise. I feel like the characters have all ended up in this place where they're just kind of, well, this is who they are, you know? And I no longer feel the sort of tension or fire between them. I get no chemistry from Jon and Daenerys. Like, they just... I don't really, I don't really get a vibe off of them. Right. A lot of the writing has sort of gone by the wayside as they've worked a lot on mechanics of plot and stuff like that. There was a moment in the premiere where you know John and Daenerys come back to Winterfell and, and Sansa meets Daenerys and they have mm-hmm. this kind of like get their they don't like up. Each other, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Daenerys was like, she, she's walking with John and she says, "You know, your sister doesn't like me very much." And in my head, immediately, I was just like my sister doesn't know you. My sister doesn't know you. And then like, John's like, my sister doesn't know you. I was like, ah. like, mm. it's just the most, there's a lot of times where they just go for the, the low hanging fruit where they mm-hmm. used to always go for the difficult ones. So, you know, again, it's, I think it's still one of the best shows on television taken as an entire unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish that they had, they, they, they crammed like half a dozen reunions into one episode. They did. Yeah. That like each one of those, you think about the subtle work that was done with like cat, catelyn stark early on and her, her relationship to Jon snow mm. and he he is a, him being a bastard and sort of all, like all this stuff that they did they just sort of were like well uh here's the hound and Arya, and then here's like Arya and john and then here's like Bran scene jamie at the, and it was sort of like each one of those was an opportunity to like like explore that or yeah. just make those characters move somewhere and instead it was just kind of like eh, hey, well it's it's been a while and that was kind of it. So, yeah. so you know, like, I, I'm not really expecting to be totally satisfied in the end, but I'm I'm sort of been involved too long to, to pull out at this point, I guess. Yeah, well, the, the, the one
1: thing I will say is that I thought the scene between Aya and Jon Snow was actually quite emotional and, and a tear-jerker because yeah. i brother and sister I haven't seen each other for a long time and everything, you know, and, and there were some quite witty comments that were said. And I remember whatever was said, the first two or three sentences between them, and then they just ran into each other and just hugged each other. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that was quite nice. That there was probably yeah. a sense of emotion there. But that um,
0: that individual one, I thought was basically well handled. I felt like every interaction that was like that had that. How are they? How are you going to react to each other? Stoicism, sure. and then like either a break or continued. You know, they sort of played mm. each one that's that same way. I did like the the, the exchange where they did bring something out of that because John in the part where he sees that he's like, you still have the sword, like needle, you know? And he's like, have you used it? And she's like, once or twice, (laughs) which was like, that was kind of, that was a little bit of that crackle that I like in the dialogue that, Mm -hmm. that that's come up before is in the, through those first, like three to four seasons. And, and I think it's a little lacking again. I'm like, I'm watching it, you know, I'm going to have to watch it. There's going to be a big, I think that they're also up against something because of, the Night King and the White Walkers being such a huge problem now mm-hmm. and so immediate that it makes everything else feel a little like, is this really that important? You know, like yeah, John, yeah. John, yeah. John swearing allegiance to Daenerys, right? And how this is a huge problem in the North. First of all, it kind of reduces the North to just like they're grumpy. Like it doesn't really, like I think initially they have like a real sense of like, well, this is what the North means. This is why it's this way. This is why they're suspicious of outsiders. Instead, we're now just getting like the shorthand version of that. And then, um, you know, Sansa's sort of like, well, did you swear allegiance to her because you need her or because you love her? It's like, mm-hmm. who cares? Like, you do need her. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- this is this huge existential threat. Like, the thing of, like, is, you know, the thing about, like, Rob and marrying um, – T- what's her name? Talisa? Is that her name? The the woman who Rob marries who's not the one that, that- – Rob Stark is betrothed to early on in the show. Um, I can't remember. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so he's betrothed to somebody because of an allegiance made, you know, in order to make a, an allegiance work for purposes of war. And instead he goes against that, marries this other woman, this leads to the Red Wedding, et cetera, et cetera. That like love or allegiance thing doesn't really feel that important right now. Mm. And trying to wait the show with like, Sansa doesn't like this. It's like, who cares? Like, you're yeah, all gonna we got die. Bigger like, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, I could keep going. Let's not get in the weeds. Okay, well, uh, one uh, more. Uh, all uh, I right. will say is that, look, I way. mean,
1: yeah, I got that sense of guys like the the army of the dead is is coming. Like, all of this doesn't matter right now, you know. And, yeah. Um, I I went over to a friend's house to watch it, and um, he had said he was reading an article uh, and had said that the you know the the big battle that is inevitable had taken over a month to film, apparently, yeah whereas the original battle um uh had had taken two weeks or something along those lines, you know that tremendous like the black one um yeah, battle yeah. between Jon snow and um uh the horrendous human being, what's his
0: name um oh um yeah uh Ramsey ramsey, yes, yes, that's
1: it, the battle between those two and that had taken about two weeks to film, but apparently this one. So double that.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. Everybody wants. Everybody wants to be impressed by the expense or the CGI or the the amount of work. And I'm like, ah, if it's, the story just doesn't. Mm me, I'm kind of like, I don't really care. You know, like Michael Bay spends a lot of money on his stuff too. And yeah. I, I, don't
1: really care I just I just want to get to the, the main thing we've all been waiting for now. Like We yeah. know the Army of the yeah, Dead has yeah, been yeah, coming yeah. for ages. Yeah. We've been waiting for years. So I'm like, oh, let's just get to it now, you know? Yeah.
0: A- anyways, I'm just a little disappointed in the project overall. This season, it's fine. Whatever. It mm. is what it is. Um, is. Let's uh, touch briefly on Toronto FC uh, since we took way too much time talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> this is going to become a Game of Thrones, Game of Throw-Ins um, podcast. Okay, uh, Toronto FC... Uh, undefeated at home. I mean, they had kind of a rocky start to the season. It felt like, mm. but they they're doing well. They're I feel like they're flying a little under the radar. You know, with the addition of Pozuelo and and Altidore coming back and being healthy. Um, you know, I think I think they had that experience of winning everything and then crashing and burning, and people have sort of forgotten that they actually have a lot of good players and they have guys, they have unheralded guys like Osorio, you know, like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quality there and they're very tough at home.
1: Yeah, they are. And, yeah. and I'm, uh, I'm intrigued to see how this one goes, to be honest, Steve. And the big one for me, which I'm, I'm really interested to see is does Adrian change it up again and go three, four, three, or does he stick to his roots and do the four, two, three, one, but um, look, no, no doubt about it. Uh, Pozzuolo is is the, the key to everything here. The, they have elevated themselves to a level I don't think anybody thought they would this season, especially after they lost Jovinko. There was a lot of pressure on Ali Curtis, the GM there, yeah. to get something done. Turns out he always, always had something up his sleeve, and, and that was Alejandro Pozzuolo. Um His first showing against New York City FC when he scored the Penica penalty and then chipped Sean Johnson from the edge with his weaker foot, um, if, if he has a weaker foot. Right. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of attention has gone on him from that game, but also... More than anything, he's made Josie Altador better. Altador scored twice uh, against Seattle Sounders over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think a lot of that has to do with Pozuelo. Um A fit Josie Altidore, uh, an Altador with a playmaker who will consistently give him service, is a really dangerous Altador. And, um, you know, he's jo- Josie is one of these players where I, I've often sold... Often watching him, I've been frustrated with him because he has every tool you would ever need to be an absolute monster in world football. And it never really worked for him. I remember commentating on one of his games uh, at Sunderland. Um, and I, I just wasn't impressed at all. I didn't think he was great. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was in a poor team. He didn't have a lot of service. But, um, you know, sometimes you've got to make the, the most of a bad situation. And I just felt he didn't. Um, at Toronto, he's had... A lot of question marks. Again, a lot of a lot of finger points have gone his way because I think a lot of people expected him to do much better than what he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this season, it wouldn't surprise me if Altidale really, really kicks on. And a lot of that has to do with Pozzuolo. Um Michael Bradley, I, I, I think, is improving again as well. And the supporting cast as well. Um, you know, Osorio and uh, Delgado don't get anywhere near the credit that they deserve as well, you know. So, um, again, I think... It'll be uh, high press from the wide areas from TFC. Um, you know, I know Justin Morrow has, has been impressive as a, a wing-back, if you will. Um, and I wonder if that, again, is is the way that Minnesota United can get in behind because a lot of the area behind the full-backs is, is there to be exploited and... and um, you know, I wonder if, if they stay with the four two three one, one is that the best way to get in behind TFC? So we'll, we'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting because that that high press has obviously given Minnesota some trouble so far. And I think it's gonna be a matter of of figuring out those those like long diagonals and things like that, those opportunities from from as as they're getting pressed yeah. to get people forward. Because you know, we saw Metineer and and Calvo sort of not feeling like they could go forward when they're getting pressed. If they don't get forward, then there's no way to get out of there. And so, you know, but you also don't want to leave the the shop empty, you know? No, you so, can. you know, it's, it's, yeah, the 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 formation thing is always going to be a, a question mark. And I think that Adrian showed a willingness to switch up formation on the road as necessary. If he feels like he wants to play a little more conservatively, mm. I can certainly see it happening just because I think Toronto is really dangerous and th- they don't want to underestimate, you know, the, the 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 attack there
1: yeah and i think as well what will be interested is um nick de leon who has come to toronto fc from dc united um he uh i think originally when he was brought in i certainly expected him just to be a bit part player that would play minutes when needed he's actually made the right back role his own yeah and his contract was very quickly extended um i think he signed it last week and uh
0: well, he's basically playing as a midfielder at this point. Like, he's doing he's doing a lot of work in there.
1: Yeah, it, again, it's, it's more of a wingback role. And, yeah, yeah, And, and I, I, you know, I wonder, again, you know, he's done well there, but is that an area that they can exploit? You know, is that somewhere sure. where whoever plays out there um, with the pace that we have, I, I wonder, is that an area that where they can really get in behind? So, we'll wait and see. Um, But no doubt, I'm looking forward to going to Toronto as well. It's a great city, a real yeah. footballing city as well. They care about TFC and... um you know, that, that stadium's lovely as well. and uh, Great food in Toronto. Great food. Uh, Friday night football as well. I, I there's, there's always, I don't know what it is, Steve, but there's always something <laughs> quite, quite, um, what's the word here? Um, I, I, I always find it to be quite spectacular playing a Friday night. There's always something about a Friday night game mm. under the lights, you know. Sure. And, uh, uh, the fact that we get to do it against Toronto FC, um, you know, one of the more glamorous franchises in the league as well at a, A stadium that will be packed. Um, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it's fun. we we, got to make sure we watch that one because there's a lot of games in the next, like, you know, two weeks right now. Yeah, I mean, literally then
1: (laughs) uh, we come back and we play, you know, no big deal, Ibrahimovic in the LA Galaxy then on the Wednesday evening. And then... Sunday is Rooney in D.C., you know, it's just carnage right now, isn't it? But it's yeah. great. I love it. I, I can't wait to go to Toronto <laughs> on Friday. I really can't.
0: It's going to be fun. Well, thanks for joining us for the 53rd Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is Friday, April 19th in Toronto against Toronto FC at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can watch that game on Fox Sports North Plus and listen on Score North. Uh, be sure to download that app. I'm sure a lot of people downloaded the app this weekend in order to get mm. into Allianz Field, but check it out. It's got highlights. It's got a lot of fun stuff, so. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. Oh, I forgot. We got a porn out for Sean Johnson's howler. You mentioned Sean <laughs> <Shawn> Johnson's <laughs> getting chipped and then I, I, I had totally forgotten just to be like, I've never seen anything
1: like it, that. It was bizarre because he takes it with the outside of his right foot and with the ball coming towards him, you know the ball's gonna go slightly behind you then. Yeah. So I don't understand why he's not opened up his body, taking it with the inside of his foot, taking a touch out, and and then executed his maneuver. I, I, it, it was utterly bizarre. And I remember saying it was the most moronic and iconic moment <laughs> we've probably seen at Allianz Field yet, despite Alonso's opening goal. Yeah. Because everyone's always gonna talk about that Sean Johnson moment he's, as well and,
0: he's going to hear from the supporters every time they come
1: to play every time forever forever now <laughs> and for every stadium he goes to in MLS the fans will give him hell for no, it I know
0: alright well you can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. and remember there's only one person in this whole world like you people can like you exactly as you are